you're here today. Today, we want to talk about um, something that, that's extremely important uh, to our church. In fact, when we started uh, the Bluff Church almost eight years ago, we said that uh, basically, what's the big win for us as a church? And, and, and we looked at some things, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But we said, as a church, the win for us, the ultimate win for us is see, obviously see people saved, but then for them to get into a small group. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're talking about small groups this morning because we think they are extremely important, and we want you in one. We won't hide that. We won't cover that up by anything. We want you to be in one because we think they are so important. But to kind of get us started in thinking about this this morning, because the importance of, of being in a group, yeah, there's something I want to I think that we all have in common this morning, and that is that we all want to be known for something. We all want to be known for something. In other words, when you come to mind, what comes to mind? If, if someone were to walk up to you on the street this morning and say, you know, uh, hey, you know, what do you think about yourself? you would use some adjectives, right, to describe yourself. And whether, you know, you've given a lot of thought or really haven't thought about it too much, most of us have probably given it more thought than we probably need to, there's some adjectives that, that kind of describe you to you in your, own, in your own thought. This is how I want myself to be perceived. And, and one of the ways you can kind of see that played out is what are you putting on social media? Because that probably tells a lot about how you want yourself to be perceived out there in, in the world. They determine, you know, what we say about ourselves. Uh, they they kind of determine what we tend to hide from other people. Uh, and they also sometimes are the things that really hurt, you know, when we get our feelings hurt, it's because there's these adjectives that we hold that we want, you know, to be true about ourselves. And when someone says it's something different, that hurts our feelings. And so the list goes on and on and on. So the question I want to kind of start with was, you know, what do you want to be known for? Think about that for just a second. So I thought, you know, this morning in the spirit of transparency, what we would do is I would tell you uh, some of the things that I want to be known for this morning, and then uh, I will take the, the microphone, and, and we'll start with Heath, and I'll pass it to Heath, and we'll just have him stand up, turn around to the crowd, and tell you what he would like to be known for, and we'll just pass it down the road, and we'll go around and tell what we'd like to be known for. And Michelle's already over here going... No, we're not. No, we're not. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that to you. I'm just kidding. But just think about that. For I want you to simulate you a little bit. Think about you. Know, think about that yourself for for just a minute. And I, you know, I thought if I was going to ask that question, maybe I should try to answer that question myself. And as I was thinking about that this week, you know, what you know, what would I want to be known for? You know, one of the things that you know is kind of the the obvious ones. You know. I want to be known as a, as a loving husband, you know, and as a good dad, and a, probably the best grand, granddad ever, you know, definitely want that one, I want my grandkids to think that, you know, and I want to be known as a, as a Christian that, that, you know, loves Christ, loves the church, serves the church, that kind of thing. And then there's some deeper things, too, you think about that. And just to be honest with you, one of the things is I was really thinking, kind of examining my own heart to this week, you know, one of the things that, that I hold dear to myself, and which maybe I shouldn't, sometimes I know it's gotten me in trouble and, and caused me some pain in the past, is one of the things that I want to be known as somebody that works hard. That's extremely important to me. Maybe it shouldn't be, and as I look back at my past and childhood and some of those things, I know where some of that comes from, 
But that's, that's part of who I am. And so when you interact with me in different situations, you'll see that, that I'm usually the first one there. And my wife will go, yes, he is. And he's always the last one to leave, that kind of thing. And, uh, and that's just part of me. So think about yourself this morning. What are those adjectives? What are those things that describe you that, that you know, most of all, you want to be known for? Because there's always something there. And then let's take that a little bit deeper this morning with another question as we go forward. What do you do when you don't measure up? And most of all, what do you do when you don't measure up to your standards of what you want to be known for? How, do, how does that work? I can tell you what you do because you do what I do. Sometimes we tend to hide and we cover up and sometimes we pretend so that we can project that image of being who we say we want to be, right? Sometimes we do that in our lives. And what that comes down to, you know people in Hollywood do this all the time, they have image consultants, right? And they have people that, that manage their image. Well, we do the same thing. We kind of hide, we pretend sometimes, we kind of change the, change the narrative about us so that the, you know, the identity that we want to reject can come out in, in front of us into the people that we're around. And when something on the inside, you're projecting something different on the outside, you know what happens? You become an imaginary person. You become the person that that image is, which may not be who you really are, the image that you're trying to project. So you kind of become an imaginary person. And, you know, the bad thing is it becomes impossible for us to have genuine relationships, you know, uh, genuine, you know, friendships, to be genuine in our marriage if we're all the time trying to put that image out there that we're trying to get. And what happens is the more that we pretend... We, when we, the more we pretend, we tend to get stuck. We get stuck in that image of who we're trying to project in front of, you know, in front of people. And we don't grow. We don't grow as an individual. We don't grow in our relationship with Jesus. And we just kind of get stuck in a spot. And we're trying to project this person, this image out there. And I can tell you that uh, I, I'm kind of an authority on this because people do, that do what I do, people that are pastors, we're experts at this. Because we don't necessarily want you to, to look at us and go, oh, he's not what he says he is, right? You don't want that, right? You, we're really, really good at this. In fact, I thought about that, you know, what, what if this morning I got up here and first thing I said, you know, hey, we're going to start a brand new uh, sermon series this morning and we're going to talk about self-control. And before we start the, the new uh, sermon series on self-control this morning, I want to say thank you to the elders because last night... You know, I, I was at Bullwinkle's and I had a few too many to drink and I called the elders and said, can you come pick me up? And so I could be here on time. You guys don't want to hear that, do you? No, you don't want the guy up here talking on Sunday mornings to have that going on. Or what if, what if uh, you know, this morning I popped up here and I said, hey, we're going to start a brand new sermon series this morning and on marriage. You know, and first, before I even start, I want to say thank you to my wife, Luann. She's so wonderful. Last night, we were talking, and she said she was going to give me one more chance. <laughs> you don't want to hear that, right? That's not what you're looking for. And so, you know, the guys that do what I do, sometimes we kind of pretend. And, uh, you know, we kind of project an image. And so, and you do too. And we all do that. Uh, and so there's pressure. You feel it. I feel it. We feel pressure to kind of project that image of being someone. And, and that pressure is really to pretend. And here's the truth of the matter, is that 
when we pretend so much, what happens is we start to have gaps. There are gaps between who we really are and who we present ourselves to be, right out there, uh, between those adjectives that we like to have for ourselves and who we used, you know, we want people to, to be uh, to talking about us. So what do we do about that? Uh, we all pretend to some level. We all hide to some extent. We all cover up. And where do we do the pretending the best? Yeah, somebody just said it. Here at church. Now imagine, and I should have done this this morning, but I didn't do it. I thought about doing it. If I stood outside this morning, oh, sorry, I'm in the bad zone, RSC, sorry. If I stood outside this morning as you walked up and, and took my camera or my phone and snapped a picture of everybody that came through this morning uh, as they walked out of the car, what would you have looked like? Smiles on your faces, right? Hand in hand with your spouse, kids walking beside you, right? You would look great. You would have looked like, you know, you've got perfect marriages, you know, you got perfect kids, you got, you know, finances are great, you know, everything's wonderful. It's peachy keen and we're just doing great. But had we been in the minivan with you <laughs> on the way to church this morning, we might have gotten a different story, right? If we'd been in the minivan with you, there might have been some yelling going on. And you may have told your kids, you know, don't you say another word until you get back in this car after church, right? Which explains why right now some of our Bluff Kids workers are down there going, why won't Johnny talk this morning? You know, Dad told me I couldn't say anything until we got back in the car. So, you know, so, you know, we, we may pretend the best here at church, you know. Uh, and the reason we pretend so good anywhere, but especially here at church, is that if people knew who we really were, what we were really like, they wouldn't like us so much, would they? And here's a jumping off point for the next couple minutes. If people don't know you, if people don't know what you're really like, they really don't like you. If people don't really know what you're like, they really don't like you. They like the image of you. They like the, what you put forward, the imaginary you, if you will, out there. And if people don't know what you're really like, they really don't like you. And that's a little, that's a little hard to say this morning, but it, it's true because they, they kind of like that pretend you, don't they? And we're all really good pretendaholics, aren't we? We're pretty good at that. We embrace who we really are until we just don't need it anymore. And here's the truth. We all want to be known for something. But the truth is we really need to be known by someones. Pardon the English there. Someones. We really, really need to know, be known by someones. We need relationships where we can drop the pretense. We can drop, you know, the, uh, what people think about us. And really be us, really be who we are. We need a place where all that can happen. And here's the proof, kind of the proof of that idea. If you've ever been in a, in a group of people where you felt accepted, you, you looked at those people and you said, those people are real. Those are real people, you know. They're my people kind of thing. But the truth might be that those were the first people that you were ever real with First time you were ever real with those people. You let your guard down. You let your pretense down. You, those adjectives were true in that spot, right? Uh, and so that's true. So what you want to do when you find an environment uh, where, you know, a group of people are really your people and you can truly be who you are and you believe that they have your best interest at heart, 
There's a powerful, powerful thing that happens in your life. In fact, you were made for that kind of a relationship. You were created to be in those types of relationships. And the place where that's supposed to happen, according to the Bible, the place where we're supposed to be known the most and the best, where we're supposed to have freedom to be transparent, is, believe it or not, in church. Not necessarily big church, but in real church. And we're going to talk about what that means here in just a second. Church was designed to be the primary environment where you could have that kind of knownness. You could be known for who you really are. And we're going to look at a few scriptures that kind of go along with that. If you want to follow along, they'll be up here on the screen. We're going to start in James chapter 5, first of all. Uh, in the very first church, we talked a couple weeks ago about James, the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus, was the first pastor of the first church, the first church of Jerusalem, kind of like the first Baptist, first Methodist, first church of Jerusalem. That's where they were. Okay? And James said this in James 6, 5, 16. He says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. James says that we're supposed to confess our sins to each other, right? So we're going to do that this morning. We're going to do the other thing. I thought we'd do this. So here's what we're going to do. No. No? I thought what we'd do is, you just, you know, we would have you stand. Corey, well, Corey would just stand up here and maybe confess his. No, we're not going to do that either, are we? No. That would be weird, right? We can't really do that in here. And yet James says here in the scripture that we're supposed to do that, right? We're supposed to confess our sins uh, to one another and pray for one another so that we can be healed from that sin problem that we have, right? Well, how do we do that? We can't do that in here, right? Okay, so we need a place to do that. And really what James is saying, kind of different wording, I said, he's saying, let me tell you what the church is for. The church is for this. Confess your sins to one another Pray for one another and pray for each other based on what you know about each other so that you can be healed. That's not going to happen in a big church environment, is it? It's going to happen in a small, small environment. Another pastor back in the first century was the writer of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, he says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. I love that word, stir one another up. Uh, it, the word in Greek means to, to uh, rile somebody up, to get them uh, provoked, or to push them towards. Uh, some translations use the word goad, you know, like a, 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 a herdsman would have a stick and he would move his herds towards them. They would goad them with that thing. That's what we're supposed to do to each other. We're supposed to stir one another up, push one another towards love and good works, that's the idea that, that he's saying there. Basically, I rewrote his and said, you know, as believers, we're supposed to be all about loving people and supposed to be all about doing good deeds, doing good deeds for other people. So I want you to figure out how to do that, how to encourage one another. Now, can we do that in here very well? Eh, not so great. Probably not. Okay. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a one another thing. It's something we do kind of one-on-one -on -one or in a small, a small group of people. We're supposed to be in people's lives and figure out how to spur them on to good works as we go along. He goes on in chapter uh, 10, verse 25, he says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He goes on, he says, you know, you, you need to get it all together. This is not a solo thing. You know, don't give up meeting together as a body, but encourage one another. So I thought what we would do, again, we, you know, we'll take the microphone and we'll, we'll, we, might, we won't even use the microphone this time. In fact, what we'll do is we'll just, in a minute, I'm going to say go, and here's what I would love you to do. I'd love you to go around the room and find a complete stranger. Maybe if you sit over there all the time, somebody over here, vice versa. You guys don't know each other on the other sides of the room. We found that out. So what I would like you to do is go over and just encourage that other person on the other side of the room. Here's kind of how that would go. Come here, Corey. I embarrass Corey for a minute. You know, it would just be like, you know, I don't know Corey. It would be like, hey, dude, you know, go get him for Jesus, man, you know. <laughs> and then I, oh, what was your name? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So it'd be like, it's hard to do that in a, in a big group like this, right? Where you don't know their names and you don't, you know, necessarily talk to them all the time. So it, it's much better in a small group where you can get together and be together and, and know what's going on in each other's lives. All right, another pastor, Pastor Paul, the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6. Here's what he says, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. He says, if you find someone who's sinning, those of you who have submitted yourself to Christ, who are living spiritually, you know, you should go, and it's the will of God that you should go and gently restore that person. Bring them back in to the, to the fold, right? Again, and, and it's really kind of interesting, the word that he uses here when he says, if anyone is caught, the idea of anyone is caught is actually, if you read it in the, in, in the Greek, it really means you're supposed to go out and catch them. Isn't that weird? Is that we're supposed to be so in each other's lives that I know if Steve does something wrong. I know what's going on with him, so I, I catch him, and so I try to restore him as my brother in Christ. And that's the kind of, of love we're supposed to have and kind of relationship we're supposed to have. And then we're supposed to keep watching ourselves too that we not be tempted. And then he talks about the idea of bearing one another's burdens. Here's the idea. If I don't know what your burden is, how in the world am I going to help you carry it? Okay? And then again, here in big church, it's kind of hard to know what's the burden of that person on that side of the room, the burden on that side of the room, isn't it? But when... I'm in a small group with that person. When I'm in a relationship with that person, we share those burdens and we help carry and we help resource and we help pray for them and we help them to understand that, yes, there is, there is a way for that to happen. And then he says, I love this, he says in verse uh, 2 there, he says, and bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know what the law of Christ is? We talked about it a couple weeks ago when we talked about John 13, 35. It's the idea that we are to love one another the way that, that God, through Christ, loved us. We're supposed to, you know, bear with each other. And that's the way that we're supposed to do. That's part of our relationship with Christ. And so the law of Christ is that I love you just like Christ loved me in every way that I can. Again, that's hard to do in a big group. One more scripture I want to share with you real quick. Uh... Paul, once again, in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, he says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. In, this is the 
ESV translations, which we usually use around here, and it's usually really good, but I think it falls short a little bit in this one because the word that they that he used there uh, that, that's, that's translated welcome in most other translations, if you look at, it's actually accept, which I like a lot better. It's the idea that I accept you as one, we accept one another. We accept, that means I accept you with your, your dents and your bruises and your sin and whatever's going on with you. And I accept you as, as my brother or sister in Christ. And that's, that's part of who we're supposed to be. Uh, and you know how God has accepted us? He's accepted us with all that stuff, hasn't he? All the baggage that we bring in. God accepts us that way. And we're supposed to accept each other in the same way as we do that. And once again, that's not going to happen in here. And I love in here. I get paid for what we do in here. Okay? Let's just be honest, okay? We get paid for what, you know, what happens in here on Sunday morning. But in here... It, it serves a purpose. It encourages each other, and we, we come together as a body, and we praise God, and, we, and we, we learn together. But for us to grow as Christians, we need to be in a small group where we can encourage each other and do all these things we've talked about. It's in a circle that all that stuff happens. Uh, it's in a group. I wrote this down. It's in a group. It's with a handful of people who are one anothering one another. That's the essence of where church happens. That's where the one-on-one -on -one transformation happens. That's where we carry each other's burdens. That's where we accept each other, and we're accepted. And where we're able to be honest. That's where we're able to be confessing our sins and realize that we're not going to get kicked out just because we have sins. In fact, what you'll find in a small group is that you'll confess your sin or your struggle, and the person across the row from you, across the circle from you, will go, hey, dude, me too. And somebody else in that group will go, hey, me too. I struggle with that too. So let's, let's help each other in that. And that's what happens when you're in a circle. It's amazing, and it's an amazing thing. It's, you might look at it this way. It's acceptance with a view to improvement. Acceptance with a view to improvement. And because, you know, that's what the gospel is all about. The gospel is all about Christ came for us. He came to show his love for us. And uh, he wants us to do that to everyone else. All right? Now, if you're new to the bluff and you haven't been around here before, we've talked about groups. Let me tell you about what we're talking about. We're talking about groups. We're talking about uh, 10 to 12, 8 to 10 to 12 people. Uh, it's a, a couples group. It may be five, six couples together. Uh, they usually meet uh, three to four times a month regularly. Uh, they meet throughout, oftentimes throughout the school year. Sometimes they meet all year long. Uh, and, and here's what they do in those groups. They... they may discuss the, the message that morning. Some of our groups uh, go through a, a book of the Bible. I know one's group that's going through a book of the Bible this year. Uh, we have a group that's talking about prayer this year. Uh, we have a couple groups that are going through a, a study of a book that relates to, to Scripture. And so there's lots and lots of different ways. We have men's groups. We have women's groups. We have co-ed groups. We have young adult groups. There's a place for everybody in our groups. I would love for you to take your hand out for just a minute and look inside of it for this morning. Let's make this as practical as we can. On the inside, you see a little thing that says group. Hey, I bought my shirt today, huh? Yeah. My daughter, Lindsay, made me this shirt. Thank you, Lindsay. Good job. Yeah. So, and my shirt, if you can't see it from back there, it says circles are better than rows. And we really believe that. We really do believe that. Uh, so listed in your handout are all the groups that we have this year, okay? Okay. Uh, 
And we would love for you to look at that, and it tells you what day they meet on. One, one quick change, uh, Clayton and Emily's group down towards the bottom will meet on Mondays instead of Thursdays. That is a change since we got this printed. It tells you uh, what topic they're going to talk about. Either they're going to be a sermon discussion group. Uh, TBD is very popular. I'm not sure what, the, no, that means they're going to figure that out when they get together as a group and basically talk about what do they want to talk about. So that's good. Uh, we have, like I say, a couple groups are going to do book studies on different books. You can talk to the group leader and they can tell you what that is. Uh, we have one doing the book of John, one doing one on prayer. Um, so you look at all those groups. There's like 12 or 13 groups there. There's a place for you in a group. Now, how do you sign up for groups? Very easy. We like to make it as easy as possible. Out on the table this morning as you head out, there are sign-up sheets there. You can do it that way. You can also pull out your phone or go home on the computer, go to thebluff.life. Keep hearing me say that, thebluff.life. First thing that pops up on thebluff.life is, hey, sign up for a small group, fall 2018. It's right there. It's in green. Can't miss it, okay? Um, and so we would love, love, love for you to get into a group. And it's very easy, and we want you to do that. And we may even come looking for you if you're not signed up for a group. No, just kidding, just kidding. Now, as I kind of wrap up here, let me talk to the imaginary you for just a minute. Because here's what I know about the imaginary you. The imaginary you doesn't have time to be in a group. The imaginary you goes, I don't have time for that. I got this going on and that going on. I'm so important. And I got so many irons in the fire and dishes you know, spin and twirl and all this kind of stuff. Don't believe the imaginary you. Get into a group. It's that important. It's important for your spiritual health. It's important for your spiritual growth. And it's extremely important for the life of the Bluff Church that you're in a group because the stronger you are in that group, the stronger we are as a church and the more effective our ministry here is uh, in, the, in Popper Bluff. And here's a couple things I wrote down just to remind you how important this is. You know, nobody knows your real story unless you tell it to them. Okay? Be in a group where you can tell your story. You know, everybody may look at you as you walk in, like I talked about earlier, when you get out of the minivan this morning, and they may think, man, you're living a, link, a wrinkle-free life, wrinkle-free life. And the thing that you'd most need in your life is an iron. You need some people to come along with you and help you iron out those wrinkles that you actually have that nobody else can see. So we want you to be in a circle where you can get all that stuff ironed out, okay? Um, if you're looking for friends, best place to do it is in a small group. Make it happen there. Uh, you want to be known for something? Sure you do. You're already known for something. We want you to know by someones. You're already known for something? But are you truly known by anybody? Are you truly known? Does anybody really know what's going on with you? Does anybody know what's going on in your marriage, with your kids, with your finances, what's going on at work? Anybody like that? We know that you're doing image management somewhere this morning. What we want to do is help you to get underneath that and become all that Christ wants you to be this morning. Okay? So... Jesus, you know, would, I think if he was here, he would say, drop, drop the image, drop the pretense, get in a group, and, and, you know, become more and more of what you need to be, what he's designed you to be. And that's not going to happen in big church. It's going to happen in circle church, around somebody's coffee table. All right? All right, let me pray for us. Father, we love you this morning. And Father, I just thank you so much for our church, a church that, that has said for eight years that the win 
The win is for people to get in a relationship with you first and foremost, but beyond that, to be in a relationship with other believers, with people that are going to refine us and help us re be refined in our relationships and, and who we are. So that, you know, our, we, can, we can love on folks. We can fulfill the law of Christ as we talked about this morning. And Father, most of all, we just pray this morning that you'll motivate us. Father, I know there are some folks sitting around this room this morning that need desperately to be in the group. But there's that thing in the back of their mind saying, I don't want it. I don't have time for that. Father, I just pray that you just show them this morning your will. Father, this morning, I just pray that you just show them that you want them. You want them to be a part of a small group today. Father, I pray that you'd motivate us, help us to do this. Father, I pray that as we uh, sing this final song this morning, you just bless our hearts, help us just to love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Stand up.